super duper Inspire fans. Welcome back to another pulse pounding edition of Inspire Pro, where you listen to us just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk about whatever. Whatever, man. This is the uh, the house cleaning supplies one, right? That's what we're doing today. What are you talking? Yeah, this get, is. Yeah, this I is the right yeah. notes, right? Yeah, I'm here to actually talk about uh, the Mr. Clean Clean Freak product and what yeah. a superb product it. No. No. no, 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 no. I like the Clorox. Yeah, Just no. Old school, traditional. Yeah, Clorox is good, but you know, Pledge, man, Pledge. <laughs> Pledge is really underrated. Um, I thought you'd be like a Fabuloso guy, no? Fabuloso's awful. Yeah? Tastes delicious. It's just, yeah, well, it's water, of course. Um, hey guys, here we are, back again with another episode of Inspire AD. Let's cut the bullshit and get right down to it. So, when last you joined us, we had returned to our home base, uh, which was initially the Marquesa Holland Theater, newly minted AFS Cinema. We had reconnected with our... our uh, our womb, so to speak, where the magic really happens. Undeniably, yes, uh, we did a lot of our best work in that venue. And we'd also come full circle as we had, once we left, gone to the Red Oak Ballroom, and my God, what a, what a just awful experience that was. And then we went over to uh, Austin Sports Center down south, of course, and that was a fiasco in its own right. And then, of course, we come full circle back to home base. And here we are. At AFS Cinema, with uh, we're, we're basically following up a a really incredible first uh, first first event back. Like we're back. Not only are we back, we've gotten our slate of dates yep. uh, for the for the year ahead. We've even been able to roll out this Marvel Cinematic Universe style slate with all our event titles, our dates, all that stuff. And the thing that we really need to say about this is that. Being able to do that really made creative booking easy because we could give people on the roster the dates in advance and there would be no surprises unless, say, somebody got injured or somebody got signed. But here we were, uh, pretty much sitting pretty in where we had wanted to be for a number of years, I think. Yeah. I think it's appropriate at this point to talk about also being able to have those dates allowed other groups to kind of align with our weekends as well. Yeah, that's another thing we really do need to talk about. At this at this point in time, um, there was more than just ACW down the road, and there was more than even Wrestle Circus. Uh, at this point in time, we also had two new companies that had just emerged. We had Sabotage, which was sort of the brainchild of uh, Mel Cervantes, yep. a.k.a. Thunder Rosa, who had started the company, I believe, in Southern California. Is that correct? Yeah. I'm not sure exactly where in Southern California, but yeah, yeah somewhere but, over there. But but uh, Thunder had, had relocated, and she was running this female-geared company, uh, along with a gentleman by the name of Jess Serta, who was kind of there filming and, and, and kind of working on logistical production type stuff. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I mean... Honestly, just kind of an ace of all spades. Ace of all spades. What the, what the fuck, fuck, are you fuck is that? Yeah. Well, you, you know what I mean. You need to wake up. Um, I'm working Do on it. Do you like me to make some coffee? Yeah, I won't drink it, but sure. Smell it kick me in. Um, yeah, man. He, what? He, he does just about everything. High gear, brother. <laughs> High gear. High gear. Okay. Well, yeah. So, and, and not only Sabotage was there, not necessarily in Austin, though we had a burgeoning company by the name of 
Heavy Metal, uh, which was run by Dylan Dunbar, oh. formerly of <laughs> formerly of the Sistine uh, Click. Yeah. Um, we, were they dressed to kill for us? They were not dressed to kill for what, us. What was their name for us? Just they I were just part of that. Remember, I don't think they it got to where they not, they had a name. Yeah, it just yeah. yeah. We I mean we parted on such bitter terms and. But here we are, right? Um, well, it's funny. Um, I mean, there was a point where Dylan expressed interest in coming back. I don't think we even touched on this. Yeah. We expressed, um, he expressed interest in coming back and we were talking and I don't know what happened, but I think that other jackass got in his ear. What was his name? Yeah, that uh, Donnie Brooks. Yeah, Donnie Brooks. Yeah, Donnie Brooks, Donnie Brooks, whatever. Uh, it's a play on words. Yeah, it's a Donnie Brook. Brook or Brooks doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, because they were actually Brooks and Dunn as well. Do you remember? Oh, Dylan yeah, Dunbar. that's right, yeah. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure it was Brooks, because that was the play on words there. Donnie um, Brooks, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, Brooks, Brooks and Dunn. That's, yeah, I got I got you. God, right. you're the redneck here, We're dissecting here, the frog. Yeah, you're the, you're the guy that should know this guy. Am I, though? I'm, yeah. I'm cultured. Are we going to fight again? <laughs> Maybe. Are we going to fucking fight again? I'm gonna, I got to check the I'm check gonna, the ratings on the last episode. I'm in a, I'm in a surly mood, so... Um, well, yeah, so there was a point where Dylan actually called me and said he was interested in coming back. And um, I had said that I wanted... This is what pissed him off, I think, partially. I said that I wanted to meet him and just sit down and get a feel for uh, just how things were in person. Because when last we had spoken, uh, he said some really nasty shit to me. And I also just wanted to see how he looked physically, you know? Um because for you know he kind of dipped he went up and down you know in terms of just uh just his condition uh physically and uh when i said yeah man let's meet up and just talk and sit down and shoot the shit uh he got really offended and um kind of went off on me and said said all this horrible shit about how i i was an awful booker and how he didn't appreciate the way that i booked the funaki students and how i treated all of his friends like shit and he wasn't going to jump through any hoops for me and in spite of this Dylan still continued to bring talent to our show. If, if there was somebody on excursion that, that yeah. you know, he wanted to have a superlative experience, I would assume, he always brought them to us, you know? So he couldn't have been that bad. If we were, if we were, if we were that reprehensible, I don't think he would have just gone, oh, yeah, you know, let's go over here. This is, this is going to be a good experience for you. Yeah. Um, anyway, Dylan kicked things off down in San Antonio with heavy metal. And, of course, at this point, it was... It was really interesting. We were putting these big weekends together at times where it was almost like Wrestle Circus was cooperating, uh, Sabotage, Heavy Metal. We were rotating. We were sharing talent. And they were just these big, sometimes triple shot type weekends. Yeah. And the, I mean, the big thing there is a ta outside talent, right? So you're paying for one flight and you're cutting it three ways versus paying the whole thing on your own, right? So that definitely helps out. And then it's also a lot easier to attract an uh, out-of-state, quote-unquote, named talent like that if you can give them three dates and they fill their whole weekend, right? Yeah. So that helps out, too. And, um, you know, we'll get, give the devil his due here, too. Uh, TJ coordinated a lot of our logistics, hotel, travel, all that stuff. and He had great connections. Hel helped out with a ton of that stuff to make Absolutely. this stuff really go. Yeah. So... Uh it's interesting because when I think about Darren Childs at this point, he is still very much playing the role of odd man out. He's sitting in his corner acting like fucking Eric Draven, goth as fuck, like, you know, like he's the outsider or whatever. He's not. That was not the case. 
I think anybody would have worked with him had he been just agreeable to work with. Well, if if he works with people, then that whole facade gets gets uh, pulled away a little bit, right? Yeah, I guess. He, do, he doesn't get him, to be I the... Guess, I guess it makes him look, I guess, in a weird way, unique. Personally, I just think, think it makes him look uncooperative. Mm-hmm. I think when you're, when you're standing uh, uh, nose-to-nose with other people, it really does force you creatively to kind of step up and... And uh, define yourself on your own terms. You know what I mean. Yeah, well, um, and I mean I can speak to it. There's there's definitely like a martyrism there. You yeah, know? for sure. That he he has self sabotaged any cooperative fucking thing like that. So yeah. And let's also say that um, you know we have spoken of Wrestle Circus. Like they came in and we kind of brokered this deal where they came in and they ran in our venue last minute. Yeah. You know, and we were unhappy with certain things that had occurred, but we never felt like there was anything malicious going on between us. In fact, we always cooperated. Yeah. We always got along with we, them very, very well. I loved Al. I loved Lexi. I loved Jordan. I mean, I didn't like Kevin. Can go bucket. Yeah, yeah. Jump on a tire fire. Um, but everybody else, I really loved in that company, and uh, I felt like at that point in time we had established something that had. I know somebody up north got all uh, chafed about this, but we said like this, like there had never been a community of coexisting promotions in a certain area like there was at that point. And some some fucking dickhead ref up north got mad oh, and said, "Oh, fuck off!" Do you remember what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Like fuck off, yeah. and none of that stuff happened. Uh, it, if it was happening, it was happening at the same time. And Nobody gives a shit about up north anyway, right? It's very different. Nobody cares about I care about anyone that will give me a green dollar bill to come to my show. I, I'm talking about the promotions up north. Oh. Those people, nobody cares. Nobody, nobody, nobody gives Let's a shit see. about that stuff. Let's I mean, see. The workers care about it, but I don't care. Oh, what goes on up there. Yeah. yeah. I like some of the guys up there, but yeah, for the most part. I like the, I like the wrestlers just fine. I think... Uh, well, even, there's promoters up there that, that I... Uh, I enjoy Rich, Richard Hill. I have no issue with Lamont's, you know, been cool with us. And, yeah. um, you know, I love Lance is like one of my fucking mentors. So I love Lance to death, but outside of that, yeah. Yeah. I just don't, I just don't think that there was anything like what we were doing, yeah. uh, up there at any point in time. No, just because there's no animosity doesn't mean that you're cooperating. Well, you don't have to be, you don't have to not be kneecapping each other in parking lots in order to be considered <laughs> this like fucking collaborative force. You know what I mean? <laughs> but that's where it came from, right? Yeah. That's where, uh, that was the baseline. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like down here, I, I, I really felt like a lot of what we accomplished between a heavy metal sabotage ourselves, wrestle circus was, uh, heavily on the radar. I'm going to go ahead yeah. and toot our horn. It it was something that was being discussed all over the country, and we, we routinely actually had people flying in for these weekends from all over the country. Yeah, you, I mean, that's the other thing. Yeah. You have a chance for if some if, if a fan wants to fly in to see a, a show like that, they can see three of them, mm-hmm. you know? it's I mean, it's not on that scale of what, what it is now, but it's sort of like WrestleMania weekend where people fly in and don't even go to WrestleMania, right? Yeah. Like, it's a chance you can make your trip, you know, count, and you can see more than just one show and then fly out, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, we're, we're, we're at a really weird apex in terms of cooperative... Uh, functionality with all these other promotions and it I, I i can say that right here i feel is kind of like a it's a peak it felt really good at this point in the business i don't think either of us we had previously been in spots where we were like you know yanking the guns out of each other's mouths 
<laughs> we didn't we didn't want to go on and yeah. we were bummed out and every show was going to be the last show here we were for the first time in a long time or ever really where we had the we had this this insight as to where we were going we knew where we were going we knew that there was a future and it was pretty bright and we had all these like you know dylan was at our shows you were at dylan's shows yeah. you were at sabotage me personally i was never at any of those shows just because i was you know playing dad but here we were, you know. Yeah, and I think that's worth mentioning too about Wrestle Circus because we've kind of the negative aspect was like five to ten percent of the overall relationship, right? But like when we would go to the, those shows, um, we were warmly welcomed. Yeah, you know? definitely. And, and when they would show up to our shows, we were happy to see them. And here's something really interesting also to note. Um, it was kind of glossed over in the past. Uh, I think a lot of time when we're talking about this, we don't really relate it to our personal lives. Um, a lot of people ask me what I'm doing right now. And right now, I'm actually in the midst of uh, maneuvering a divorce. Um, we're in a pandemic, so divorce, pandemic. No real out outlet to distract yourself with like a lot of creative stuff. Yeah. I am, I am for the most part, the chief or primary caregiver uh, uh, for my boys. I have two sons. And uh, actually, the thing that I had neglected to kind of mention many episodes ago was the fact that I had become a father for the second time. Yes. Yeah. Um, back in August of 2017, Scout Serling Meehan was born. And I was, you know father to these two beautiful little baby boys and of course at this point fox is uh fox is around three years old and he's starting to be uh, a presence at the shows he's running around the chairs and uh by god i i can i can i really need to emphasize how much i love the fact that my little boy was hanging around all of these weird greased up costumed maniacs who were play fighting it, it, it's got to be a weird memory I hope that he draws from in the future and I really cannot wait until I see my now six-year-old <laughs> at like at one of my shows you know and Scout too has grown up virtually with no memory over the past year of yeah. being at these shows and I'm really aching to get back to it but here I am uh, two-time father uh, and Inspire has a bright future and a bright relationship with a lot of other people so I, I when I when I think back to this period of being at, at uh, AFS, rather, it's it's a happy time. Yeah. Um, and this was really cool because we, we really felt like Texas was always down here and every once in a while someone would come in, right? But it really felt like we were, you know, part of the overall overarching U.S. indie scene. I really felt know? like, yeah, we had, we had all collectively made um, Central Texas – not just Austin, but Central Texas, a destination. Yeah. And that's one thing, at the risk of pissing people off, nobody goes, fucking the Dallas scene, brother. Gotta get there. That didn't happen. I mean, yes, people people went and fucking, you know, you know, they went and, and did shows there. You know, there was money there. There were a lot of events going on. But oftentimes I feel like you look up there and it just appears to be oversaturated. Weirdly here, we had a lot of shows, but I never felt like it was... It was spread out, right? Yeah, it was spread out. Um, anyway. Yeah, man. Good good time, good time. Anyway, let's, let's jump into this. So here we are at There Is No Tomorrow, an event, a uh, title that was inspired by Apollo Creed and Rocky III shouting at Rocky... Rocky 3 being my favorite of the Rocky franchise, 
screaming at Rocco after he's sort of given up in his training before he's about to face Clubber Lang. He doesn't know if he can do it. And there's that moment where he's just screaming at Rocky. There is no tomorrow. You do it now. You do it never. Now or never. There is no tomorrow. So there was a this was a, a, a mantra for me uh, and always has been ever since I heard Apollo screaming it at that big, dumb Italian doofus. Um <laughs> <laughs> Going at the Italians? Now? Yeah, what yeah. I don't like anybody. Oh, my God. Uh, okay, anyway. So, yeah, man. So, you want to just get into this event? Um, yeah. Because we start off in kind of a kind of an interesting um, patch here. Um, Inspire Classic. Yeah. So, this is the uh, the Nintendo 64 Gauntlet, which is a, yes. an awesome format. Yeah, it's an awesome format. Um, to those who ever played Royal Rumble... Uh, stuff on the N64, you knew that the engine actually couldn't handle having all the wrestlers in the ring at once. So it had this thing where there were, like, there were always like four guys in the ring during the game, and once somebody was like thrown out over the ropes, another competitor would run into the ring because there was room suddenly for another guy. <laughs> and so we came up with this idea called the N64 Gauntlet, where there was always like four guys in the ring, but every time somebody got kind of, you know heave-hoed out or or got pinned, another guy would run to the ring. And whoever was left standing ultimately won some sort of prize. And I believe this is how we even determined our first J-Crown champion uh, years yeah, ago. Yeah, you're right. So, um, we, and, and, and so, uh, you, do you remember who all was in this? Yeah, I, I do. So it was, um, it was Ryan Remington and, and, um... Who was kind of getting a tryout here. Yeah. So, and his tag team partner, who, who his name escapes me currently... But um, they were they were very green at this point. Yeah. The, the, like so, weren't they using like the Impact Players tag team name? Yeah, they were. And that was... that rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah, same here. I didn't know so, why they. Yeah. So I think they're larger than their tag team name now is larger than life. They've come a long way since this point in time. Yeah. Uh, now, but their, yeah. now their name is only mildly bad. <laughs> um. <laughs> but this was their. Uh, this was basically their their tryout with us. So they started off. Uh, T Ray, of course, was in this matchup. Yeah. Um, and then the, I believe this is the last epileptic Caesar uh, sighting that yeah. we have in Inspire. So that's the that's the first four. Um, throughout this match, you see uh, Rex Andrews come back and mm -hmm. get his revenge by eliminating both T Ray and Aston Jacobs. Um, he he was coming off his tour with uh, Wrestle One at the time, so Rex Andrews is in there. We also have uh, Cody Lane makes a, a long run in this matchup Lasts as well. Lasts a while through the gauntlet, yep. yes, sir. He actually eliminates Rex Andrews, um, and then of course Stevo is uh, is out there as well, and uh, sort of gets beat down, and then he he's he's the Iron Man of it. He's the number five entrant and uh, last all the way to the end and actually picks up the victory over Cody Lane winning the mystery prize. Well, what was also great about this was this was supposed to sort of telegraph a lot of stuff that I wanted to visit in the future. I liked the idea of Steve-O and Cody working together. Cody, we viewed as some guy um, that really epitomized the future of Inspire Pro. He was like a future face. We were really endlessly impressed by him by his work ethic, just his attitude overall at this point was great. Um, and of course, Steve-O is the vet, you know, because he's been there for quite some time, fan favorite, you know. Uh, and yeah, there, there is an undetermined or unannounced prize on the line here, and I thought it would be kind of fun to... So, I don't think Steve-O was happy with this. This was, I, I felt where... 
maybe it was his ego at play. I feel like he was hurt or felt like he had been demoted. And that's the thing that I really have a, a problem with is when people are removed from a title and they feel like it's some sort of demotion. And in my opinion, Steve-O at this point, point as Mr. Inspire Pro was, was really a guy that didn't need a title. He just needed to be in compelling angles. And this was supposed to kickstart a compelling angle that didn't quite go the way that I wanted to for a number of reasons. But ultimately, once Steve wins this match, what he finds out is that he has won a shot at the Twin Dragon Connection titles with the partner of Dirty Andy Dalton, who is also... Yeah, he's the lawless the, darkness. Lawless darkness, which yeah. is a, a huge. That's a huge thing to have yourself aligned with because this guy he can he can flaunt the rules, he can break them, he can do whatever he wants. He is he is uh, beyond reproach, and uh, essentially, if played well, is unbeatable. So Steve finds himself uh, announced as uh, challengers for the Twin Dragon Connection Championship, and if he so. You know, if, if, if he so pretty much goes up against the champs, whoever they may be at that point with Andy Dalton, yeah. it's pretty much going to be a lock. But because of his history with Andy, Steve-O kind of goes, yeah, thanks, but no thanks at yep. the end of this. Yep. Um, but I really did feel like this was a compelling angle and we were going somewhere really interesting with it. But Steve-O just didn't feel like it was, it was important to him. And I felt like... <clears throat> this was his job at this point. He was this guy who had had all these really high-profile matches, many of which were done with names, and I felt like he 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 was he he seems like he felt slighted. Like all of a sudden he's not in 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 a match with a name. He's doing kind of like a locally based angle, and to me that's the stuff that I put most of my effort into is creating these these storylines that run long term that bring the audience back, you know, month in and month out. But I, I felt like he was really dragging his feet on this one. He just didn't. He just didn't like it, and his attitude kind of had soured a bit. Um, of course, I may be incorrect here, but that was just my perception. Uh, and then, as we'll get into next uh, next week on the Inspire AD podcast, uh, there were other things thrown at this as well, right? There's a lot of curveballs. That uh, were not expected in this angle too. Yeah, definitely fucking <clears throat> threw some wrenches and things. Yeah, yeah, you know things as they are wont to do yeah. do change from time to time. Anyway, uh, after the Gauntlet match, which was fantastic, especially for the uh, Steve Cody moment. That's that's the thing yep. is that that moment uh, with him getting that opportunity created something really phenomenal, and we had this matchup between these two guys both APW graduates I believe uh, and it was phenomenal it was, just, it was just a good taste and it was one of those history building moments that I, I really loved um, so but after that so you know, you know we know who the contenders are going to be we decide to launch into an Inspire Pro Twin Dragon Connection title match where the Heavy Hearts uh, wind up going up against uh, Inspire Pro alumni the Pump Patrol uh once fan favorites had moved out of uh, our jurisdiction, there's a, a long story there where... <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, 
Josh Montgomery and I had essentially created this gimmick, and when it was first uh, dumped on the scene, it was pretty jovial, pretty fun, pretty antagonistic. And then they got signed to uh, ROW, and the gimmick which we had created became exclusive property of <laughs> Booker T, which really was like my first taste of just getting kind of turked by someone's <laughs> business, I guess. Um, well, and also quote signed with the ROW yeah. it's basically Booker saying hey you guys are only working here and, and I felt really slighted because I think that that was instituted because some fucking ignoramus over there had gone and worked some bush league yeah, lucha it. show at a flea market and hurt himself yeah, and so all that's sudden, exactly what yeah. happened so all of a sudden like Booker who had regular TV was like you can't go work all these crappy promotions that you know you're just going to end up breaking your neck at and I I took great offense to being lumped in with, you know, the San Antonio flea market scene. That's definitely not what we were. We were a bit more careful. Um, a bit, a, a good deal more careful, in fact. Um, and then from there, they became kind of wildcat mainstays, right? In Louisiana? Yeah, once, once that opened back up. Well, the original tag team partner, right? Well, uh, he AJ, left. he a left. AJ left, and then uh, Kurt Matthews came in. Yeah, so Kurt was based in Mississippi. Yeah. And um, Jared was always in Louisiana. So once um, AJ, who was from San Antonio, wasn't yeah. in the team, it shot that team's base way east, right? Yeah. So now they're working mostly in Wildcat, and they're also picking up dates in, in the Mississippi Indies and stuff like that. Um, yeah, and this, this match really on paper is almost like fun Survivor Series style cartoonishness. Um, you have the Heavy Hearts who are these obese uh, working machines. You know, they're, they're, they're heavy lovers. And then you've got the Pump Patrol who are fitness obsessed. It's, it's, it's too perfect. Yeah. But for me, this didn't really click because I think while they were out in Louisiana, a lot of the flavor had been kind of stripped out of this gimmick and they weren't they weren't the same. They were a little more straight, pretty flat, pretty yeah. like average. Like they just seemed like normal dudes that just went to the gym and were jerks. It yeah. was <laughs> we, we were expecting like a very bright, colorful, like nasty boys versus Beverly Brothers type thing. That's right? exactly and what like, I wanted. And yeah, we were gonna get. So it was it this was, was played pretty straight. Yeah, um, the hearts brought it. The hearts were great, but I think the Pump Patrol had acclimated to the audience out in Louisiana yeah. and when they came back they were not they weren't they had they didn't really bounce back to being in front of that Austin crowd yeah, it was it, it was a very dry encounter yeah, and, and the wrestling wasn't the wrestling was okay but it you know this this well, was a match that really needed something yeah needed something more um grandiose in terms of character work to, yeah. to really but float the, the pumps were never going to be the young bucks right no um but yeah it's very different crowds you're you're eliciting very different reactions with very different things so yeah, yeah it's just austin doesn't quite work that way yeah so of course the heavy hearts retain and we're setting up uh you know we're setting up steve-o and uh, well steve-o's renounced his yeah. his his opportunity to take a shot so, at the title because he doesn't want to tangle with andy but we're going somewhere here and yeah. we'll get into that at, at, at a later show but it, that also gave us a fun chance to do sort of the storytelling between the shows too yeah of that coming back together and that match match actually being made yeah um and uh yeah you know we we were going somewhere with this i i I think at this point too, 
Stacy was having some physical problems. Stacy yeah. Slade. And so we, the writing was on the wall. We knew we had to get the titles off the hearts, but we wanted to do it in kind of a fun fashion that maybe gave Stacy a little bit of time off, and we were going to do some stuff solo with Bruno yeah. for a bit. And yeah. <laughs> we well, had great, we had these great big ideas. We're we're building. Uh, I mean, the what comes of this here in a couple of shows is. is um, the idea for it was amazing. Yeah. Um, and we know Stacy needs surgery at this point, right? Yeah. So he's building, we're building towards him being able to take some time off to get that taken care of. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, uh, we wanted to keep the hearts brand alive through Bruno. Yeah. And the plan was to bring Stacy back altered and do a hearts kind of feud. Um, We'll get deeper into that uh, a little bit later on, but also unlikely tag teams is something that I feel like we had kind of cornered and did well. And I thought doing something with Steve and Andy, these two guys who hated each other, first we had we had a controversy, which was Tim and Vega, very unlikely duo, but had great chemistry together. Yeah. And then we had Matt and Andy, and that was another really unlikely tag team, lightning in a bottle, but I thought we could do it again, but with Steve-O and Andy. And so that was where we were really going with that. And, of course, I feel like sometimes, I'll just go ahead and say it, I don't think a lot of people necessarily look at tag titles as that important. Um, and I feel like we always treated the tag titles like they were extremely important. You, you could make the argument, I mean, even that, to this day, that they're the most you know, prestigious belts in the company. They are. I um, mean, when, when I wouldn't agree with the argument, but you can make it. Well, there, there was a point where like that those titles were uh, main eventing our shows. Yeah. And that, that to me is important. I think the tradition of tag team wrestling is something that deserves a lot of respect. But I also think a lot of times, in a very real fucked up way, people's egos get in, in, uh, in the middle of it. And they, yeah. they really want to be showcased or spotlighted. And they don't want to be tied to this you know, other dude or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I've seen it. I've heard it talked about. Yeah. And it's a reality. Well, I mean, the, the other part of the reality, though, is that sometimes the other dude falls off. Yeah. Right? And then you there's not the trust that there was in the eighties or the, the nineties or even the early two thousands yeah. to, to be able to go, okay, this guy's going to be here and he's not going to flake out. I, I think my, my opinion was that sometimes people do look at uh, primary titles and companies as being like, Oh, if I'm not carrying that, that title, uh, do I really matter? Am I really that valuable to the company? And it's like, well, yeah, because in, if you look at our cards, every single slot, is pivotal. Everything is clutch from the very beginning of the show to the very end. That's why, the, I mean, you look at Steve being in this gauntlet match. We emphasize the importance of the first match as being equally important to the main event because that is the thing that sets the tone. If it is not, in terms of caliber, on par with the main event, we're, we're not going to have the energy that we think really makes our shows. And people don't understand that. They, you know, they think, oh, I'm curtain jerking. No, you're fucking not. You're setting the tone. You're lighting the fuse. You know, you're 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 so important to this to this product, yeah. and and a lot of people just don't get it, man. Yeah. People's people's well, egos are silly. And, and we uh, we we put a lot of thought into card placement. Oh fuck! Dude. So like, you're not gonna know what match is our quote unquote match two. We. we we may go fucking WrestleMania eight on you and just put something crazy in match two. That's the right? thing. Like, it's like I think. Um, we don't ever want people. Sorry to cut you off, but no. we don't ever want people to get comfortable with where 
where the down part of the show is going to be. There Our goal no, is to not make a down part. And I will part. correct you. Yeah, there is no down part. The every ma- there is no bathroom break match. There is, you know, you got you've got you better hope that you can take a leak during intermission yeah. because you're going to fucking miss it if you don't, yeah. you know. So anyway, that's that's just the way yeah. it is. I mean, but, we, that's why we have a line out the door at the start of the show, yeah. not, you know, but it's not people tr- trickling in. The issue is we get these guys six times a year. The rest of the year they're on these shows where fucking okay, uh, it's a sleeper match that I have to put together with these green kids and I'll put that on match 2 or okay, fuck. Uh throw these green kids out there first to get them out of the way. The way it's typically you know, done in other companies is always some, how it should be done. Yeah. That's that's how we we always try to do yeah. just do our own thing, you know. Yeah. Anyway, up next we have what is quantifiably abyss match in my yes. opinion. This is this is a match that that Biss was like in the corner in a raincoat jerking off to. Uh, this is a, this is a no DQ match featuring Ryan Davidson, a bear of a man whom we all love, versus Matt Tremont. Yeah. So this is coming fresh off of of Ryan being in the cage match, being in the you know, the feud with Jordan Lennox. So we need something to really yeah. kind of prop him back up and, and, and continue to make him vital and important. So yeah. this is our way of kind of like giving, giving back to Ryan and propping him back up via this, uh, this match with this, this name. on yeah. the scene. And, and, you know, Tremont's known for, he wrestled Onita. He tagged with Onita in Japan has done all this crazy deathmatch stuff. So this was a, my attempt to get a little bit of a hardcore rub onto Ryan. Um, and the match that they did was basically a street fight. They yeah. didn't, they didn't, you know, they didn't blow each other up with fucking bombs or there's no barbed wire in this. It's just two, two big dudes beating the fuck out of each other. Um, and there's, you know, there's a few weapons involved. Yeah. Um, but you have, at the end of the day, what you see is Ryan beats Matt Tremont. So Ryan has this victory over this this guy that's a deathmatch legend, um, head all scarred up. I really enjoy Matt's charisma. Matt's since retired, but he has that weird Philly charisma to him. Yeah. And you know what? Okay, so we yeah, it's and it's a phenomenal physical bombastic uh, spectacle. It made a lot of people happy, and it, this kind of goes into uh, just again what we do in terms of constructing a card. We begin with this gauntlet match that had a lot of really good cruiser style uh, uh, work in it, and then we have uh, this tag match, which is you know traditionally a lot of people love tag wrestling. It's it's very very much larger than life. Has these very colorful characters at, at the center, and then we have this no DQ Hawes <laughs> match, which is, you know, it, it it again it just we shift gears each time, so it's not like you're just getting like the same thing over and over and over again. The flavor changes. It's a gobstopper. All of our cards are basically everlasting gobstoppers. Uh, and from here we go into a match that I think might be one of our finest. Um, and this is a very important uh, match historically. Uh, and we had built up to this with Jojo and Delilah kind of throwing barbs at one another and Jojo even implying that he should have been able to walk away with Delilah's XX Division title. Now at the heart of this, there's been a lot of debate in the company up to this point where uh, myself and Matthew Palmer and Biss have talked about how we really need to break the walls down. Um, in my opinion, I think it's th- there's a there's a huge issue with segregating the men from the women. Um, I think also in the sense that sometimes you have 
you don't always have the the ability or the means to fly in a name for women to wrestle but i also think women benefit from wrestling other men who are no you know have notoriety or skill yeah um when you get down to it it, you know if you can wrestle a more experienced wrestler and learn something that you want that to happen you don't want that to be restricted by what their gender is Mm -hmm. yeah exactly uh so we have this we have this thing that we've built to where jojo who has the junior crown which he has made into a watch uh called the j watch uh is going to face delilah doom for her xx division title um and this is a unification match and whoever wins walks away with this new title that we have minted the undefinable title uh and the the belt the plate it's a beautiful belt it's one of my favorite looking belts in the company it has a japanese style phoenix uh, at the center of it, and it's on a green leather strap. Um, one of the main motivations for also doing this match was that we had this bit of flotsam that was left over from the Stroud regime. It was that fucking horrible XX division belt. I hated it. It looked honestly, it looked like some crappy like uh, WWE period ECW style like lower tier belt. It was on black leather, which kind of contradicted the color of everything that we did. Like we, you know, every other strap had a had a color to it, had a, had a, a plate that was really large and impressive, and he just had this like very bland looking belt with with a uh, you know like a silver plate that was kind of angular on this black strap. It it really didn't fit with the aesthetic of the company. Um, but anyway, this is an interesting match. First of all, it's really excellently wrestled. Yeah, it's a beautiful match. There's one moment that I don't like in it where JoJo actually. We always tell people. When they're wrestling women, don't don't wrestle the gender, wrestle the size. Yeah. You know? And in this match, there's a moment where JoJo actually kisses Delilah, which I fucking hated. Because it kind of it required her being acknowledged as a woman rather than just a smaller competitor. But JoJo and Delilah are physically the same anyway. Yeah. So, uh, that, that cheesed me off. But nevertheless, kind of let it slide. Heard some grumbling about it. This was not supposed to go down. <laughs> it did. Yeah, hold on. Let's see. If I'm looking at this website, it says Delilah Doom defeats Jojo Bravo. Was that what was on the paper? No. In <laughs> fact, what was supposed to happen was at this point, Delilah was moving. Delilah, she had moved at this yeah, point. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, she was, yeah, she was, she had relocated. Yeah. She had relocated to the West Coast. She had moved to California. And of course, one of the big issues here is that we didn't. We didn't necessarily have the funds to fly her in every show. Yeah. It was a big problem. Um, and so we were kind of looking for a way to kind of drop the title, bring in this new title, and we had some angles that we had already planned for JoJo. That's another thing that it's like, okay, we can't afford to bring Delilah in, and we also had this year's worth of booking that we kind of rallied around JoJo to kind of give him an opportunity to run with something great. Somewhere in here, JoJo kind of loses his mind. And he basically lets Doom pin him. <laughs> yes. But, he doesn't kick out. No, he doesn't kick out. So the thing the thing about this, though, is that when Delilah wins, the fucking venue comes unglued and everybody loses their fucking mind. Like, it is like this m- insane moment. Yeah. It is crazy. Like, the crowd is just, like, there are people crying. Yeah. You know, I think I think like Jeff Serta was like almost like in tears. Like, it was it was a really huge moment. And I remember... Um, 
I remember going back through the curtain and Delilah's like in near panic mode and I see Jojo just going, don't worry about it, don't worry about it, don't worry about it. And Delilah's just apologizing and I remember just grabbing them both and going, no, it's fine. It's a moment. You created a moment. I cannot be mad at you. Um, God damn it. But no, you know what? Great match. I wasn't mad, yeah. but I was still just like, fuck, what am I going to do now? You know? <laughs> I, um, I remember Jojo just being like, it just didn't feel right. And being like, I get it, but at the same time, Jojo... There was a pragmatic, you, you pragmatic purpose behind... Yeah, you don't this, understand yeah. all the reasons like why we, we went there. You yeah, know? yeah. So. But at the same time, as a feel-good moment, it really did create something huge. It did back us into a corner creatively and also logistically and financially. Nevertheless, great match, great moment, and Delilah becomes our first undefinable champion. Yeah. Which, and, in the grand scheme of things, is pretty cool. Yeah, very cool. Now, the point of the undefinable uh, title is that it's a title that can be traded between women and men. Uh, it, it's not it's not defined by uh, weight category, gender, anything like that. Anybody can compete for this belt. And so, at this point in time, it was it was and still is, in my opinion, a very uh, very special belt. Um, and yeah, that's all I can really say about that. It's a, it, a since th since this point, we have gone on to basically announce that uh, anybody can compete for any title in our company. We've further broken down the walls, and I think that that's something really radical and great that we've done, and and I'm I'm proud of that. Yeah, but the undefinable is kind of the one that ushered it in, right? It is the forerunner. Yeah. Yes, it is the forerunner. Anyway, after that, we go into Terrell Tempo, uh, Inspire Pro Champion against Ethan Price. Ethan getting his first title shot. And Inspire Pro, big strong boy, and, and really good promo work to to hype this up from the previous show. Uh -huh. um, both did an excellent job. Tempo basically kind of bullying Ethan, right, and Ethan standing up to him, right. He's not able to to get the victory. He's not able to win the belt, but he stands up to to Tempo. Yeah, absolutely. This is a, but this is a great match. Um, Terrell's still showing kind of his his nasty negative side here. Um, and we're kind of building towards towards some interesting swerves for Terrell in the future. Yes, um, he's about to go on a roller coaster. He absolutely is. Um, yeah. Anyway, this was an, an enjoyable match. This card is this card again. It's it, there's an ebb, there's a flow, there's there's the gobstopper quality, and I think that's the way that most wrestling shows should work. I always kind of harp. I know Biss recently rewatched the Halloween Havoc '95 pay per view because I always harp on that as being a huge influence on my booking style. I don't think he enjoyed it as much as I'd hoped he would. There's a reason for it, though. Yeah, but everything everything there's there's a lot of. There are, everything is just very different on it. It's eclectic, and yeah. I, I think eclectic cards are the best cards yeah. because nobody gets bored. Um, and from this one-on-one, -on -one, very emotional title match where Ethan, of course, comes up short, and everybody's beloved uh, big strong boy is, you know, trounced by this increasingly mean champion, we go into a four-way match, which is a little dazzling. Uh, that's what it was intended to be. We have Zach Taylor uh, against uh, B-Boy. Joey Ryan and Rocket Boy Wilson. Let's talk about B-Boys. Wow, man. <laughs> it's crazy. So this is this is a big part of being able to have Sabotage and Heavy Metal uh, on the same weekend, right? So a guy like B-Boy is able to come in and get three dates, which B-Boy is like an indie legend. Yeah. Um, you know, I remember getting B-Boy matches on compilation tapes that I would get from like uh, Jersey All-Pro Wrestling and shit, you know? 
um, CZW matches that would show up on like best of 2002 indies and stuff, right? So, uh, very cool to to have B Boy on the show. A great person to just meet. Uh, yeah. He was so sweet. You look at yeah. him, and he's just got this kind of grizzled exterior, and 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 he's he's kind of intimidating because he's been around so long. But then you meet him, and and a lot of uh, he really reminded me of Eddie in a lot of ways. Yeah. And suddenly, all I kept thinking it was like, man, Eddie and B Boy would be such a fucking good team. You yeah. Know? Um. But, I think we were even working towards that. Yeah, we, we just were, couldn't, yeah, we couldn't were, get the dates yeah, we to match. Get it to line up. But, yeah, B-Boy is great. I hope someday our, our, our paths cross again. But that guy's infinitely talented. Uh, great trainer, too, out in California, I yep. believe. Um, San Diego, man. San Diego. Way down south. Yeah, he's, um, he's, but he's great. Uh, anyway, also, Joey Ryan. Um, yeah, Joey is here. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and of course, we have Rocket Boy Wilson, who was trying out for us. He drove. He all drove the way from California. From California <laughs> for this. I think he was also on the sabotage card that weekend as well. Yep, made a weekend of it. Yeah, made a weekend of it. But he's here. He is Rocket yeah. Boy Wilson on this kind of weird, colorful spot. <laughs> this is a spot monkey match. Yeah. Even though Joey's in it, and Joey tends to kind of do more comedic stuff. This was a lot of uh, cruiser style bouncy flippy shit so i'll get i'll get into the quote-unquote boring nuts and bolts of this right so talent development wise we're putting zach in there with guys that are all three from california uh-huh. so he's he's learning a different language per se learning right? learning a different language and and also yeah and, Just get, and, getting anyway. some seasoning he couldn't get at the local fucking bazaar working a lucha a lucha spot or something right yeah absolutely and, but it also gives us an opportunity to kind of look at people like rocket boy and see yep. like kind of like suss him out figure out what he's about uh we were impressed by his dedication to want to kind of like drive out here and, and do this gig um I was just pumped that he was doing a rocket power gimmick. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then, it, you know, we keep Zach's uh, momentum going from, you know, re-debuting with, with ACH in the uh, the title match the uh, the month before. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Zach, Zach is clearly someone that we're building toward doing something really um, special with coming up. Um, anyway, we go into... A tag team match that actually has a massive story significance in terms of Matthew Palmer's trajectory. I think at this point we kind of have to start to acknowledge that Matt physically is not where uh, he wants to be. Matt has always... Matt is a scoliosis survivor. (laughs) Um, He's always had back problems. Uh, He's sustained numerous injuries over the years, many concussions. Physically, he's just been through a ringer. Uh, I don't know many people who are as dedicated to what he does as he is. He is always putting himself on the line uh, to a point where sometimes I think it's okay to call him stupid. Um, he does some dumb shit. I think, I don't think anybody would not agree with me. If you, in the moment with Masada and the cherry picker over at ACW, beautiful moment, creative, artistic moment, but not the smartest, you know? Um, you going to back me up here? Yeah, I mean, I, I've watched the guy fucking go off balconies for years. Yeah. So like I'm not yeah, I'm not going to argue with you obviously. Like, when you you got to extract you got to extract the moment from the human being. When you look at the human being and you care about the human being, yeah. you kind of have to sit there and go, "Yeah, that was not good for that guy to do that." Yeah. What, you know? what rings in my head is him, you know, talking about people going up and going, "Oh man, I saw the clip of you doing this." Like that well, that was crazy. Why would you do that? And he goes, "Well, you remembered that I did it, right?" Yeah. And um you know, you, you only got so many of those moments in your body, right? Yeah. So anyway, um, so here we have Matthew carrying over 
his heat with Massive from the previous month where he'd come out and, and thrown tortillas at the audience and that match kind of ended in a, in a, in a non-event. And uh, we have Roxy, on the other hand, his manager, who's really pushing for this redemption arc for him. She really wants to see him become loved or likable because she sees him in this dark, bad place. He is... He's just not performing, in her opinion, on the level that he could if he had the power of the crowd behind him, you know? So we have Gino and Massive as this tag team, uh, and Matt is uh, is being set up by Roxy uh, to wrestle with this unannounced tag team partner who, surprise, turns out to be Cherry Ramones. And, of course, Matt, if he wants this uh, allegiance to help him get through this match, has to give Cherry his dancing ability back, which he does. It's, it's almost like this weird moment of atonement for yeah. him. It, and this this is a big, this is a hard, hard left or hard right, you know? of the story this is the big part where where matt starts to atone for some of this stuff right yeah um and and so yeah gino and massive and cherry and matt have this match and roxy is really trying to to shepherd him into just being in a different place and uh the match concludes in a really strange fashion that i think creatively we owe a lot to matt for but just in general this is a, a moment that even I think Roxy was really proud of, where at the end of the at the end of the match, Gino and Massive are standing there over Matt, and Cherry's standing there with over Matt. Matt's kind of broken and beat up, and um, Roxy cuts a promo about how he needs to really just he needs he needs to stop hurting, you know, Steen, he needs to stop hurting himself and punishing himself, and Matt gets up and delivers this incredibly earthy and grounded in reality promo where he talks about his body hurting and him being in pain and um, how a lot of his personal pain motivates him to lash out at others and uh, it ends basically with, with Matt saying he's, he's going to try and get help and he needs a break and he needs time off and everybody in the ring winds up basically hugging him and it's this weird intervention kind of moment and it's just a taste of where we were going with this angle before the Fed crushed it. Uh, you know, whatever. But uh, yeah, it was it was a it's a really emotional moment. I've never seen anything done done like this in professional wrestling before, and I find it to be incredibly effective and healing. And uh, it was an honest moment for Matt. That's yeah. that's chiefly one thing I need to say about this. Yeah. I, I have nothing else I can I can add, man. Yeah, it was. Uh, it, there were people crying. Yeah, people. I, yeah, was, people. Uh, people in the audience were actually crying because it was this moment where you have this heel character, who's just. He's not a good person, and or in a good, good phase of his life, yeah. and you you kind of get to, pull the skin back, and see why he is the way that he is you know i think a lot of times and this was kind of the point of the angle was to show that a lot of the time when people lash out like they do it's because they're hurting inside and really matt gets to kind of expose himself here as someone who's really hurting uh but yeah it's a great moment definitive uh be awesome if we could get this promo up uh to go with this episode um but yeah, it's it's a, it's a good one. It's and magic how we mentioned that and it, it happens. Yeah, well, that's, <laughs> that's yeah. pretty awesome. Get on it, Eric. Anyway, <laughs> so after that, after this, we have a banger. <laughs> um, what, what are you talking about? We're just we're just hiding these uh these girls, this girls ladies match, you know, in the semi main. This uh -huh. is amazing. Yeah. 
Thunder Rosa versus Nicole Savoy versus uh, Zia Brookside. Yeah. Uh, so, up next, we, we, oh boy, we have a three-way match. Sub-main event, <laughs> Thunder Rosa versus Nicole Savoy versus Zia Brookside, which was a an incredible get. Uh, I think this was initially supposed to be a, a, a two-way, but then the opportunity to work with uh, Brookside came up. Yeah, I, like, I'm a huge fan of her father, obviously, yeah. um, coming from, like, tape trader days, and that was the only way you could really get Robbie Brookside matches. Um, d- so d- she had spent time in, in stardom, so she had had a few tours of Japan and did some really impressive stuff over there, and just it, this is one of those weird ones where she put out the tweet like hey i'm gonna be in america from this time to this time right and i was like holy shit we have a show during that time let's see what we can do right so this was uh this was one of those where put out the date and it was open and we were able to to get a, a pretty cool name um into our show that uh that the fans were able to see that you know you're not gonna see zia brookside live um, in America very often no you know so. so this was this was incredibly exotic but also just the caliber of talent with uh, that frames her here is uh, is remarkable it's a it's it was a, it was a really great match um, it is the epitome of what I think Biss and I wanted at the very beginning for uh, any women's match that occurred in the company you know yeah um, and, and this was What's cool here is all three of these women have, have wrestled in Japan. Yeah. So we were able to go, hey, we we want more of that style than than what you're normally gonna have on a, a house show somewhere. Absolutely. Right? And it's a it's a it's about an eight minute match. Uh and it's man, it, it's it's a it's a barn burner. Uh worth worth seeking out. Uh and after that we come to our main event of the evening. <laughs> and speaking of rocket packs, man, look look at MJF. So like the first match is him and Cody in this this kind of like up and comers, right? And here we are, right into MJF and Ricky Starks, number one contender, um, for a match against ACH. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And we've got we've we've got some stuff that we're really building toward with MJF within the company because we also have him for the next slew of shows. And this guy is just a workhorse. You know, he's going he's going everywhere. He's a, he's a, like. A billion promotions every month, almost. This is this is him blowing up at yeah, this point. Yeah, he's blowing up this point. I, I think um, All In is coming up here shortly, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that that's on its way to, to his big like, and hey, this, here I am. And this match is insane. Um, we had always intended for this to be the first part of an overarching storyline that would pay off like a year later. <laughs> Um, Code man came in and fucked that up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, so yeah, this is MJF versus Ricky Starks now both in AEW. And this is a number one contendership match for ACH's pure prestige title. And these guys just tear it the fuck down. I don't think anybody... I remember just standing there amongst a cluster of people and just people just going, this is a fucking moment. This is huge. This is revelatory. And I... This is just one of those match that matches that you, if you're running a company, can only really dream about hosting. Because not only is this a match that's good on paper, it's a match that you want to see, it's a match that you want to host, but the emotional investment here at this point, the crowd is really excited to see where this is going. You know, MJF is not AEW's MJF at this point. Ricky Starks isn't 
you know, Ricky Starks in AEW yeah. at this point. Or even NWA at this point, right? Yeah, this no. is just This is just these two guys that high are caliber top tier, you on know, their way up. Breakout stars on the horizon just doing some amazing shit in the ring. And Ricky here really in my opinion there's just no better seller <laughs> out there right now, man. He Yeah, he's phenomenal. Yeah, he makes he makes the other guy look like a monster and in the process builds himself up to be this underdog that's not getting out of his fucking hole so when he does people just lose their minds there's something like this is my opinion on on ricky i think like if if hulk hogan were good <laughs> like ricky has that you know? and not racist yeah and not racist uh but you know you look at hogan and the thing to me that cena never quite has when people try to compare a hogan to a cena is that you never really believe Cena's in peril because you know he's just going to bounce back up and, and whatnot. There are moments, real moments, where you saw the chinks in the armor with Hogan and you really thought that he was going to fucking die, you know? Like, uh, for example, when he goes up against the Taker, you know, that just that, that mo those moments where you see uh, despair and fear. You see that here, but you also see r what feels like real excruciating pain. And Ricky is just... Ricky's on fire here, and this is actually the start of a streak in our company where I think over the next year, <laughs> Ricky just is the crown jewel of everything that we do. He just, he's, there's never going to be another like him, and I think yeah. he's, I think he might be one of the best wrestlers in the world today. Once, once in a generation, for sure. Absolutely. So. Anyway, uh, yeah, man. Great show, great event. Again, really highlights the the. Uh, I don't even know if I want to say ebb and flow because I don't think that there's any ebb to our shows. It's just our it's shows. It's just different styles. It's the gobstopper yeah. effect. It's just a lot of different flavors that kind of come alive and come at you, and uh, we never really take a dip in terms of energy. Everything is kind of like high on the EKG, and um, this is one of those cards that I'm really proud of. And again, it just also highlights the fact that when we're when we're in the right space, magic happens, and that is the right space i wish we were still there man for um, sure anyway we'll see you next week uh when we come at you with another episode of inspire ad and we'll be discussing uh battle dreams <laughs> another uh, another max classic oh yeah definitely thanks for joining us <laughs>